Welcome to the Authentic Wife Show. I'm Beth Rolls, a conscious marriage coach and author of The Authentic Wife, Uncaging Yourself Through Marriage. I help driven moms who love their kids more than they hate their marriage use the conflict in their relationship to become their most authentic selves so they can create a relationship and life they don't want to escape from. Stop waiting for your husband to evolve and start making every day feel like a vacation. You can find my book, tons of free resources, and Happily Ever After, the only marriage-saving coaching program on my website, theauthenticwifeandmom.com. Thanks for joining me today. Let's get started. Welcome back, beautiful, authentic wife. I'm happy to have you here today. I want to talk a little bit about addiction, stimulants, ADHD, because they're just also connected. And what I find with my clients is that usually there is some level of addiction in their homes. So in my house, it was probably more to like video games and that kind of thing. In your house, it might be alcohol. And so many marital problems come from somebody being under the influence of alcohol that it is such a huge problem. And it's always important to not enable that person to seek out the root cause of their addiction and help them get to A or another 12-step program to really address what's going on so that they can get the help that they need. I'm no expert in alcoholism, but I do have a little bit of information on addiction in general and of course ADHD. So I thought I'd go over some of that today. In my course, The Authentic Life, which you get if you're part of Happily Ever After, there is a module on addiction. It is called Play pleasure and addiction. So I tell you in there that we're basically just seeking pleasure. When we partake in a pleasurable activity, the brain releases the neurotransmitter dopamine. This function was initially intended for our survival. Eating and having sex are imperative to make it as a species, so we needed to be motivated to partake. And initially, having this experience was a lot harder than it is today. Now we get a quick boost of dopamine, which ends up decreasing dopamine production in the long term, leading to a craving for more. So even if you don't have actual ADHD, which is when you don't have a good production of dopamine in the brain, you have like a dopamine deficit, then getting all these pleasurable experiences, which we get so much in today's society, we have instant gratification almost all the time. You can order something on Amazon, get it the next day, go to a store, find whatever you need. You can scroll social media, get hit after hit after hit. That means that our brains stop producing, or our bodies stop producing as much dopamine. And so then we need more and more and more. We have this craving for more. The process of addiction is a very intense wanting, seeking, or desire to have or do something that we get increasingly less pleasure from. We are unwilling, unwilling to sit with our discomfort, yet engage in behavior that will ultimately make us more uncomfortable. I think it was in Atomic Habits that he talks about, he cites all the science for everything in that book. It's such a great book, but he talks about how the actual dopamine is related to the moment just before we get the thing that we want. It's that the reward comes right before we get it and then it's gone. So as soon as we have the thing, the thrill is basically over. The pleasure is over. So then immediately we want more of that. 
We want more of that pleasure. We want more, I called it synthetic bliss. We are constantly looking for that, that feel good thing. And for, I think for a lot of men, they go to sex. I'm going to get the feel good from sex instead, the thrill of the chase. And then of course they get the oxytocin hit from the sex afterward. We get it before they get it after it's crazy. So we have to like feel that love and bond to give them the sex. And then after the sex, and then they feel the love and bonding, which is kind of ridiculous. But anyway, dopamine is kind of a trip and we needed it to be motivated to go do things, to go eat, to reproduce, to survive. We had to have this dopamine flowing through our systems giving us the motivation to do the thing. And when we don't have it, then we don't have the motivation to do the thing. And, and then we get scattered. So let's talk a little bit more about what dopamine does. Dopamine motivates us and helps us feel rewarded for doing and accomplishing tasks. Dopamine can be increased artificially through psychostimulants or amphetamines. These are things like Adderall, Ritalin, Vyvanse. You can also increase dopamine naturally through meditation, sleep, getting a massage, exercising, eating foods that are rich in tyrosine, which is a building block of dopamine. So these are foods like eggs, soy, bananas, beans, fish, almonds, avocados, and chicken. Coincidentally or not, some of the most nutrient-dense foods there are. We've also found that you can listen to certain music, piano sonata number 17 in D minor, first breath after coma by explosions in the sky. So you can get that a try if you want. There are also some non-stimulant medications that you can use. These are basically alpha-2 agonists. Those can be sedating or calming until somebody gets used to them. So you can use stimulant medication or non-stimulant medication. The problem with stimulants is that they have these side effects where you have suppressed appetite, then you don't eat, and then you are kind of a monster from just not eating. You can have headaches, be dehydrated. You're basically hangry. And then sometimes they keep you up too long, so then you're not getting enough sleep. So a stimulant is not just like the magic pill that fixes the ADHD. You have to use it carefully. You have to eat while you're on it. You have to sleep. You have to get the dosage right. And quite frankly, you still need to learn different coping skills and experience different ways of managing your life. And one thing that our doctors have always told my husband is that he needs to get lots of physical activity. He needs to exercise. Your body benefits from exercise. So we're born with no capacity whatsoever to self-regulate. And that is a task that's made possible gradually from childhood to adolescence by the specific brain centers that have to develop and grow connections with other important nerve centers and chemical pathways that need to be established. So somebody with ADHD has incomplete development pathways in the cerebral cortex and between the cortex and lower areas of the brain. The right prefrontal cortex, which should be fully developed, would actually be responsible for impulse control, social emotional intelligence, motivation, directing attention. So getting all the data from the environment and selecting what's helpful and inhibiting input that's not useful. It takes in emotional information from lower brain centers and decides whether to allow or inhibit. So in ADHD, they don't have these filters. So the reason why stimulant medication can be useful for people with ADHD is that they arouse this function of the right prefrontal cortex, meaning that they allow the ADHD brain to take in less information. So it's easier to focus without getting overwhelmed. And again, they help with dopamine release to keep them motivated. The problem with not having a normal amount of 
dopamine in the brain is that then people end up trying to naturally medicate, whether that is through different behaviors or through drinking Or one of our therapists told us that they actually tend to be Coke users, cocaine users, because it does the same thing that the stimulant medication does. And so a lot of people who are drug addicts and stuff are just simply trying to self-medicate and get the relief that they need. Addiction is considered soft suicide. So regardless of the particular addiction that somebody has, they will give you the short-term dopamine release but a long-term crash, and it can take a while for your dopamine levels to regenerate. If you continuously engage in the addictive behavior drug, you may stay stuck at an abnormally low level of dopamine. So dopamine and serotonin are neurotransmitters. Neurotransmitters are chemical messengers that send signals between nerve cells. So they allow the brain and the nervous system to communicate. And some excite the brain and some slow it down. And then we have something called neuropeptides that are also messengers in the brain. They're made in the hypothalamus and they are chemicals that pass through the pituitary gland and then release a chemical message to the body in a millisecond with specific instructions on how to respond. Now, one thing to know about neuropeptides is that you basically can get a neuropeptide wash. And when you are in a state of depression or or some other emotion, sadness, anger, constantly, your body gets used to that particular neuropeptide wash. And even when you start to feel better, when you mentally are in a different place, your body can actually kind of yank you back into that emotional state that you were in because it wants to get that neuropeptide wash that's used to. So you have to really work kind of against your body in the beginning when you were changing long-standing things. When you have high-frequency thoughts, you produce a series of feel-good chemicals. And when you have low-frequency thoughts, you produce a series of feel-crappy chemicals. So high-frequency are love, bliss, gratitude, happiness. Low-frequency are depression, anger, hate, regret, resentment. So the body reacts to the brain, but the brain also reacts to the body through this chemical feedback from these different neurotransmitters. Because of the messages received by your brain, it will produce more of the chemicals responding to the way the body is feeling. So you begin to feel the way you think and then think the way you feel. So when To be more clear, when you feel a certain emotion, your brain will release this wash of neuropeptides across every cell in your body, and every emotion creates an immediate cascade with a unique neuropeptide wash. When you experience a feeling state consistently over a length of time, your body's cells start to build receptors for that specific neuropeptide wash. And when your cells divide, they actually maintain those receptors. So your body will be looking for those neuropeptides that it has grown to expect on a cellular level. The cells will signal your brain to begin talking you out of your intended or conscious goals. In her book, Quantum Love, Dr. Laura Berman says, our bodies yank on our brains for the neuropeptides our cells are craving. So when you first start to move into high frequency emotions that the body and your psyche aren't used to, your brain and body will actually resist. The hypothalamus will signal your brain to go back to its old habitual ways. So Dr. Berman said it sort of feels good or at least familiar to feel bad. So addictions are driven by the ego's constant wanting, longing, and need 
to have more or to be more. They can be driven by isolation, feeling a lack of love, not knowing how to shift into love on your own. And then dopamine keeps us seeking pleasure. It continues to motivate us to do the pleasurable things because the pleasurable things are what keep us alive. And then our bodies get used to this feeling state and drive our brains to continue the addiction. But you can increase dopamine naturally in a variety of ways, including meditation. It can also help you to cut back on things that give you that instant hit over and over and over again to force your body to rebalance its levels of dopamine. If you do have something that is causing disorder in your life, you can go on medication. It can be helpful. It can be harmful if it's not used well. I personally feel that you need to kind of mature and sort of grow yourself up and understand how to regulate and manage your emotions before you move to a medication, because that's just a natural part of life that everybody has to do. But then when you actually need the help to get motivated, to get into gear and do things in your life, then medication can be helpful. I'm not personally on any of these medications, but what I have seen in my home is that you you have to find that maturity. You have to find that place of self-regulation before you're really going to benefit from having some kind of stimulant. That's my experience anyway. And so I have a worksheet in here and I'm going to give you some of the questions. So you can get out your journal if you want and answer these questions on your own. And maybe you'll, you'll learn something from it. So the first one I ask you is in what healthy ways do you naturally increase dopamine currently? Do you meditate, sleep, get a massage, exercise, have food high in tyrosine? Do you listen to certain music? Do you check off to-do lists? What do you do? that can increase dopamine in your body naturally. If you have anything you might consider an addiction, how long does the pleasure from it last in minutes? If you can even get to minute, this could be something interesting that you do when you are looking on social media or you're eating some sugar or you're having that drink. Notice how long, keep track, like make out a timeline for yourself or something. How long do you feel good? And then how long do you feel bad afterward? The third question is how many years has your body been used to this pattern or behavior? That is so important to know so that you are aware that it's going to take you a longer time to get unstuck, to get out of that pattern, to shift that behavior and having the right support is going to be really imperative for you to do that. Are you able to identify when you have low frequency thoughts and shift up. And when I say shift up, I mean shift up into those higher frequency thoughts. Can you move into happiness? Can you shift in your body to a state of love? Can you change your thoughts from maybe I'm not a good enough mom to I'm a great mom? Can you build new beliefs? Can you let go of old limiting beliefs and belief systems that aren't working for you and are keeping you stuck? Your mind can beat you up all the time, especially if you had a lot of negative voices when you were young and your, your mind is a liar. Your brain is a liar. It's just repeating what it's heard. And when you feed yourself more positive thoughts and more encouraging and uplifting thoughts, then you will feel better. And it's not lying to yourself. It's choosing to see the good things instead of making up bad things. All the moms who tell me they feel guilt or shame or didn't do something good enough. It is so easy for me to challenge them because I know better. I know how hard they're 
they're working to be good moms. And if your mom listening to this, that applies to you because you are taking the time to stop and listen to this. And that means you are a great mom. You are worried about your own health, your own maturity, your own mental state. I'm sorry, your own mental state. You want to improve. You want to take good care of you so you can take good care of your babies. And that is one of the most important things that you can do because they are going to imitate you. They are going to be what do you model? Who and what you model? They're not going to do what you say. They're not going to do what you schedule them to do. They're going to be who you are when they grow up. So just remember, do you want them to be somebody who never takes care of themselves, who never tries to improve, who is addicted to something, who does, you know, kind of waste your precious resource of time on addictive behaviors or substances? I don't think you want that. And if you're a man listening to this and you're stuck in something, please get help from somebody, whether it's AA or a therapist or a men's group. There are lots of resources out there for you. There are no excuses. There are tons of people who want to help you heal and feel better. You're not a bad person because you have an addiction. You should not feel any shame or guilt because you have an addiction. Somewhere deep inside, you have a need that you do not know how to meet. And only from that outside help are you going to understand how to meet it and how to stay in a place of loving yourself and moving away from behavior that is slow suicide. I feel like this one is a little bit all over the place because I was throwing a bunch of information, but hopefully you learned something and hopefully it was helpful. And I appreciate all of you. Thanks again for reviewing the podcast and sharing it with your friends and go check out happily ever after coach.com to apply to work with me. If you are interested in changing your marriage and changing your whole life. It's truly an inner transformation. I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. 